listening to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. The Chrome Dome sitting across from me is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And this is episode 105 today, January 18th, 2019. We have a fun show for you today. We are going to go into movie news, which is going to include several trailers. I don't know if you guys have been up on this, but there have been several developments over this past week, including Ghostbusters 3, John Wick Chapter 3, Spider-Man Far From Home, and the latest Captain Marvel trailer. There's also a hodgepodge of other developments in the movie area, but uh, I'm going to hold on to those until we actually get to the nitty-gritty. Steve! And we're going to forego uh, movie and game anniversaries, if uh, that wasn't in your notes. Yep, no, we, we are indeed. Yeah. And, uh, you know... What's that, Rod? I suppose I shall uh, keep you just... Holding for a little bit longer, as I say. Our topic of the day is the glass movie reviews. So when we get to that, we will be giving our high-level reactions before going into the spoiler elevator and uh, drilling down into our thoughts, thus having a spoiler-tastic good time. Steve. What? What is going on in your little nook and cranny of the world. Well, now that the uh, the parentals have left, I can crank up the volume to as loud as I want. You should Party. Hear, man, you should hear the, the, the beginning of Forza on uh, speakers, Russ. You know, I think I did get a little bit of a hinting of that when I was on Party Chat with you earlier this week. Might have. Mm. It was loud. It was good. I bet you like that. I did. Except when I crashed or hit a wall, then it's just like, I'm like, man, I'm going to bust something. <laughs> oh, boy. But no, I uh, I hopped up my my Jag, my my Jag E-Type. Good for you. Beautiful car. It's not uh, it's not supercharged. It's not, you know, it's not force-inducted, Russ. Mm. But, um, you know, it's not the greatest handling car. I'm all surprised. I'm trying to tune it up a bit, and it's not... Mm, might just be a tour vehicle. More a than touring a, vehicle. More than, says. A, more than a racer. Uh, I don't know. I remember I, I had a, a customer come in back when I was doing the old uh, car stereo gig. Mm-hmm. And he came in in one of those old Jaggy types. And that thing is hard to get into, even of my stature. That's a hard car to get into. And a lot of those uh, British boys are taller than I am. You found yourself having to wedge and squeeze yourself into the driver's seat? Well, yeah. It's like the, the door is almost an L shape. And so it's not just one door that opens up like a big opening in the side of the car. It's like it's an L shape. And so you kind of have to form your body into that <laughs> shape and then get in and then you're good. And the, the windshield is really close to you. And then you're like, yeah, your legs go further into, you know, because the, the hood's a lot longer. Mm. So, yeah, you know, um, hard car to get into. Beautiful on the eyes. I don't think I've ever sat foot, sat foot, stepped foot, Uh, sat cheek. How does it set 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 foot, foot. set foot. (laughs) I've never set foot 
in <laughs> sad foot <laughs> in a jag. I don't think ever. I mean, maybe when I was a kid once, like when our uncle drove. I don't even know if he drove. You know, I don't even think I. Maybe he had a jag. He likes the jag. No, I know, but I was thinking about how maybe I temporarily sat for thirty seconds in the back seat of his car, but I don't think we went anywhere. I don't recall ever. Riding in a Jag. You rode in a Jag. You rode in it once. You rode in his little like XJ or whatever it was, his older one. Uh, then he later on, he had a newer one. He actually let me drive it, which was hot. Oh, okay. Sure, I'll get behind the wheel. <laughs> and uh, that now he's got the sedan. And of course, we haven't been in that one yet. No. That's the latest, greatest. Hmm. Anyhow. So I watched the King's Speech. King's Speech. That sounds familiar. That's Colin Firth. That's the first time you've seen it? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I've it's taken you this long to I, see that you movie? You know, I haven't seen it, and I, I think someone had told me I should see it. I'm like, I'm yeah. the one who told you to and see it. Other people have told me, too. I remember telling you and the fam, you've got to see this movie. I know Mom and Dad ended up watching it, and they really love it, too. Uh-huh. Did you love it, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I did. Actually. It was really good. It huh? was, it, Colin Firth is amazing, and so is Jeffrey Rush, and the, the movie is great. Yeah, yeah, they're the both excellent awesome. actors. I've been, I'm just a huge fan of Jeffrey Rush. I think yeah. Jeffrey Rush, and just every film I've seen him in, he's just. Have you seen a, him? In, have you seen him in Quills, Russ? I have. Oh, yeah, I can't get that movie out of me. I look at Jeffrey <laughs> Rush. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> dirty man. Uh, but no, uh, the King's Speech is a great movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, and I will say, um, I am watching. I have not finished yet, but I am watching Batman Ninja. Well, good. And they Netflix doesn't have it on Blu-ray. They gave me a DVD. I'm like, what's this? I'm paying for the Blu-rays. You need, I'm surprised you're, you're doing that because I've told you I own both versions. I have the English version and the Japanese version here. We can w- watch it together. Wow. You just don't want to see anything with me anymore. I see how it well, is. Well, I was getting tired, and I actually had to stop it midway through because I was getting tired. I'm like, I'm not going to fall asleep. I started getting the nods. Look at this old man over man, here. can't get enough sleep. What's wrong with me? 2019 gets around and I just want to hibernate. Mm-hmm. I see. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, I let's see. I played some more Red Dead Redemption and I'm, I'm trying to make Chapter 6 last as long as I can. Mm. By the way, did you you meet the guy who helps you hunt around a little bit? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I like him. Yeah, he was awesome. I, I looked up the voice actor because the voice actor is fantastic as... Pretty much everybody in the game. I was game gonna say is, everybody is, is awesome. Yeah, I, 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 like everybody. Game. Literally everybody is great. Yeah. So anyhow, I forgot his name, but uh, wonderful job. But I bagged the uh, I bagged the grizzly, legendary grizzly. Okay. I bagged the uh, the smallmouth bass. Mm-hmm. Legendary. That was a, a huge. Mm-hmm. And I got the beaver. Congratulations. Thank you. I got the, uh, what I was like, I got the coyote. The legendary coyote? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a legendary chipmunk there? There is not. Oh, you, the other day you said there was. Uh, 
I you never said, said there was a legendary chipmunk. What are you talking about? No, you said no. Okay, yeah, you didn't say there was a legendary chipmunk, but you, what you did say is every animal in the game has a legendary version. Is what you said. Okay. I was talking about no. all the normal uh, size yeah, yeah, animals, yeah. not the varmints. Yeah, no, it's not like there's like legendary like. <laughs> I found the legendary cardinal bird. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like redder than the other birds. <laughs> it's like no. <laughs> uh, now I did find perfect pelts when I was hunting well, like the yes. chipmunks and the squirrels, which I mean I struggle with that. It was hard to like maintain no, that. No, it's. Well, it took me a while. There's perfect pelts for the small animals everywhere. No, you're not understanding what I'm saying. I would find them just fine, but when I would shoot them, it would go from a three-star to a two-star. Yeah. When you use the, the small arrows, I get yeah. three-star every time. Well, again, I, I lacked a certain finesse. Wow. And uh, luckily, by the time I we hit about chapter five, um, I was starting to, to get kind of more of the swing of it to the point where I didn't have to really put as much like effort. It was just kind of like, okay, I, I understand how this works. It's kind of funny when you craft the small arrows though, all he does is change the, the arrowhead tip to a, like a, a, a different tip, but you have to craft it with the, the feathers of birds. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't do anything with that. He just like grabs the arrow out of his back somewhere. Like, what's the... <laughs> But I'm like, wait a minute, I had to go get some feathers. I, I noticed the same thing, but I, <laughs> it doesn't bother me because honestly, I just want to get through and make my ammo. Like, like it's, it's, I don't know, it's cool at first, but then after playing it, I don't even know, dude. I, I probably have, I'm, I'm, I'm probably approaching 300 hours of play on that game, and I just, I just want to make my ammo and keep moving forward at that point. Although it is gratifying to do the whole split bullet thing. That's pretty fun. It's nice, it's the ambush is quick, has a little vibration in the controller, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Optimize. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> well, yeehaw, and have a ball. You what like, else is going on? You like to flip your gun and throw it back in the holster afterward? And That's another thing, FYI. I would be doing that at random, but anytime I actually wanted to do it, I couldn't get it to work. I can do it all the time. You're gonna have to show me your little <sighs> skills. Yeah. Twirl that gun, Shane. I wish there was a way that you could actually like numchuck that little pistol, then yeah, throw it back in the holster. Mm. That'd be awesome. I found myself actually going onto YouTube and rewatching the scene in Tombstone when Doc and I can't remember what the the bad guy's name is. Oh, that that, that the scene where he's just the guy yeah. like totally doing the thing, uh -huh. and Doc Holliday is like, whoa. Wee. Yeah, he took the little, like, shot glass and yeah. it was, like, mocking him. Yeah. Such a great movie. It's what else is going on with you, Steve? Well, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's about it for me. <laughs> I mean, besides our, our, our weekly Twitch. Yes. Of course. Which, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I will go so far as to say that was loads of fun. See, here's the deal. A lot of people play... Overwatch on the daily and I think some of the magic m might be lost because you're used to everything happening when you play the game constantly right but if you take a break and then come back it's, it's, the magic returns hmm. you know it does it was it was it was a lot of fun to play we won most of the rounds that we played I think we only lost maybe two rounds overall 
And so we were doing uh, quite well. And I think uh, I'm closing in on getting that, that special Ana skin that they're promoting right now. Even though you never play Ana? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I know, right? That's the funny thing about the game is the art direction is so strong in, in Overwatch that, uh, yeah. I, I enjoy collecting the skins on characters I don't even really play. I should probably branch out a bit because I always go to the... I always the, the, go to the comfort zone characters. I need to branch out a bit more and see what I can do. Well, what have you been up to, Russ? You know, I've been watching some movies. This, have you? Yeah. So I knew that we were going to be seeing Glass this weekend. And so I was thinking, okay, I haven't seen the movie Split, which I know you had already seen it. So I watched it last night. That's a really good movie. I... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Yep. I know you were saying that you weren't too crazy about it, which is funny because like you're the only person I know who's seen the movie and didn't think too much of it. So when I was watching it, I mean, I thought James McAvee did a great job right. acting. I thought that the um, uh, the 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 girls who were playing in it were also very convincing. I loved the uh, the psychiatrist, the old lady. Who was in the the film? I thought that the, the cinematography and the and the um, yeah, just whoever the director of photography was did a, a terrific job too. It was just it had a very unique look and feel, and just there was like a, a constant sense of dread. But what I liked also too about the character was like I found myself thinking about how like I um, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but just even though the character is quote unquote, like, like he's, he's a villain. He's the kind of the antagonist of the movie. I found myself looking at him thinking about like how complex his condition is. And it wasn't so cut and dry. Like, Oh, this person has to go like, just, no, I can't wait for this person to, to get their comeuppance or die or whatever. You know, like I, I found myself just kind of going back and forth with like how this thing worked. And I really appreciated too, how they, spent time talking about how the personalities work. We're like, you know, they all have to take turns being in the spotlight one at a time and how the rest of the other personalities are sitting in chairs, kind of waiting their turn. I just really like that, that metaphor. Uh -huh. And so it actually it amped me up to see glass. Cause at the end of it, I'm like, wow, like I had some trouble going to sleep last night. Cause I was like, man, that was pretty intense. I just didn't see it as intense. I, I, the acting, yes, the acting. And if we go back to the other uh, podcast when I was talking about it, and I was giving James, yeah, quite the props. And but I just didn't feel that the story really was really going anywhere. It didn't captivate me. Yeah. Um. I, the actors were the saving grace, but I, I just it didn't do anything for me. Huh. Fair enough. And also, I won't go into the spoiler territory, but I really did enjoy the ending to Split as well. Like, I was not expecting how they would finish that movie up. And I was like, oh, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Now, I also watched Game Night. Have you seen Game Night? No, yeah, that wasn't very good. Yeah, I, th I thought it was okay. Uh, but definitely glad I didn't go to the theater just to see yeah. it. It was not worth the price of admission. Yeah, and no. I can't remember the, the actor's name, but he's 
the kind of the main actor. Yeah, I know you're talking about. He plays the same character in every, every movie. movie. Yeah, he's pretty typecast. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's just his go-to. That's, that's what that's what he does, and uh, you know, he fits that. But it's it's just I don't know. I'd like to see what other kind of acting range he has. I did appreciate though how the movie kind of flirted with being serious, almost like uh, kind of a thriller survivor movie, but at the same time, it was a comedy. It was like a dark comedy. So, but overall, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm glad I, I waited until uh, to rent it here, and it's like, okay, well, that was like, you know, it was fine to go through one time. I'll probably never watch it again. Yeah, I I really didn't think it was that funny at all. I I, <laughs> I know they were going for humor and it was it was dark more humor. amusing than like like I didn't yeah. really laugh out loud. But that's the whole thing. What I was just talking about with with how it wasn't a comedy by itself. They were constantly going back and forth between it being like this survival. No, it's supposed thriller to, thing. That's the thing. It 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 was supposed to be a comedy. But the jokes and stuff were not even funny. It's not a thriller. I mean, it's not a thriller it's at not, all. Yeah, it's not like really, a, I'm, I don't know what the right word is, but like you could, I mean, they were making conscious swings back and forth where something got super serious, but then they would kind of lean back to the comedy aspect and go, ah, ha, ha, ha. oh, okay, let's yeah, go to the well, next that, scene. That's part of like the awkward humor that we have nowadays is, yeah. is the, the punchline is the awkwardness of the situation, yeah. which it's, you see it in other movies like uh, The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Of course, uh, the one movie, that, or movie, I got movies on the brain. We have so much movie stuff going on in this episode. The, the game that we played was Overwatch, which we were talking about a little bit earlier with you. But yeah, it was just a lot of fun to be able to, to jump back in and... I just, I mean, we, we had a good thing going. We had a good vibe about the game. And even though we hadn't played it in a little while, because you know, I, I know you and I have been playing RDR2 and we were playing A Way Out and Forza, that sort of thing. We just slipped right back into being able to have fun with it. And, and it was, I don't know, it was, it was just a great romp through. That, that game is great to be able to come back to every now and then and, and be able to play. I never really find myself getting tired of it. It's just that there are so many other new games that are out that I want to be able to play, so... That's always a nice little uh, bonus, I would say. Still don't capture the flag, though. Yeah, I don't understand why they haven't really been putting forth the capture the flag. And, of course, we've been talking about this to great length about how we don't really understand why they constantly rotate certain game types in and out. Why don't they just have them all available all the time? They could easily make that available in the UI. That just stumps me. Yeah. Maybe it just keeps people coming back to check and see what's available, you know? You're probably on to something. <laughs> so let's segue into movie news. Now, before we get into the other stories, I thought it'd be fun to be able to check out these trailers first. So the first one we have is one that just dropped on us. Ghostbusters 3 teaser trailer. (laughs) 
Getting goose pimples. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I was not prepared at all for when this trailer dropped earlier, and it's just crazy. Like, so we know that that the earlier the earlier movie that came out, I think it was last year, it had the all female cast. And I, for one, was not very excited about that. I, I really do love the original cast of the Ghostbusters. I think that it's one of those types of movies where just having the original actors in the movie is so vital to making sequels a success. And so when this thing all of a sudden just came out, I mean, I was all over social media and everything just like, oh, my God. Uh, so it was, it was definitely just such a, a treat to be able to see that. I really like how it, the, how they're doling this out too, because it's a teaser trailer. So obviously we're not going to see a lot in it, but love how, how they brought back the original music from uh, the, the 1980s classic. And obviously we're, we're going and we're seeing some kind of farmhouse. There's uh, some, what appears to be, you know, when I first watched it, <clears throat> I thought it was like a like a malfunctioning proton pack or something that was on some sort of workbench. But now that we watched it again, I think I heard like a wrench or it almost sounded like someone was tinkering, like like they were trying to build a proton pack or, or fix it or something. Did you notice that? I don't I didn't notice any tinkering. Uh, I heard this little like like every once in a while there was like this certain sound. Can't say that I did, Russ. Well, anyway, I am really, really pumped to find out more information about this movie. Now, the only thing that's... Okay, so there's there's conflicting reports coming in. Last year, Dan Aykroyd was actually interviewed, um, and he was talking during the, the course of the interview. There's a certain portion where he was talking about how they are making a Ghostbusters 3. And you can find this on YouTube. And he was talking about how he's bringing back the original cast, how Bill Murray is going to come back. Ernie Hudson's going to be back. Obviously Harold Ramis has passed away, but they're thinking about how they're going to strategize and, and see if they can still have him in the film or maybe they won't, you know, they, they just have at the time hadn't decided it. So that was effectively confirming that they got the original crew and cast and even Ivan Reitman, who is the original director, he's coming back in an executive producer role. And his son, Jason Reitman is the one who's directing it, which is really, really fun. However, I don't know if you've heard about this yet. The there, there's like some kind of rumor. It's like some sort of far fetched rumor. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Rose. Yeah. What? No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. What, what, what? No, 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 no,
unload my beans, okay? So what was missing from the last Ghostbusters movie, obviously, was the overall feeling that you had with one and two. That was complete. I mean, I didn't even see the movie, but from folks that I did uh, talk to about the, the movie and reviews that I saw online, everyone says this is not the original. This is not the original Ghostbusters movie. That the feeling is not there. The jokes are not there. The script is. You know, it, it's. It, are you talking about the one that came out last year? Yeah, okay. the most recent one. Yeah. So, with that being said, when we see this trailer, then I mean, like you you were mentioning earlier, mm. you have the sound effects. You know, obviously the, there's a lot more bass emphasis because of the technology nowadays and the sound editing, whatever and whatnot. And so, yeah, they're teasing you. You see Ecto-1 or Ecto? Echo. It was Ecto. Ecto. Yeah. That's why I thought yeah. Ecto. Yeah. Ectoplasm. So. <laughs> that is within the world of Ghostbusters, yes. So, yeah, no. I mean, with, with, with the, they, I think they tried to spin it up to get a younger audience last time and they didn't capture any audience whatsoever. I mean, so, they, they captured like like an audience. It just wasn't on the same level as what well, the original not even, was like. That movie got terrible reviews. It tanked. Yeah. So the audience they did have wasn't like near what they uh, were aiming for. But, so they're going back to their roots is what it looks like. That's my hope. I mean, like, I was definitely of that opinion until I saw this other little thing. Like, I think Nerdist was also talking about it. And there's, I can't remember the name of the website, but like, it was just bizarre. Like all of a sudden, like, like they, they were saying it's a rumor. There's, there's nothing that would provide evidence of this, but I don't even know how this rumor would get started. I just hope that they, if they are in fact going the route of having the original cast come back in, I just want them to be able to dispel this rumor sooner rather than later. Cause otherwise that's just going to stress me out. Cause I have been waiting over here for a very long time to be able to see the original cast come back together. And you know what? Some people out there are talking about how like they're too old. I disagree. I think that it's actually just as fun that they're older running around with proton packs. It just doesn't matter. In fact, I remember there was a few years ago when Bill Murray came up to accept an award at, I think it was like some sort of MTV movie award, something like that. But anyway, he had surprised everybody because when he appeared on stage, he was wearing the Ghostbusters outfit with the proton pack and the whole nine yards. And I think I showed you this. You can find it on YouTube. But like when he emerged wearing this stuff, the whole right. crowd gave a standing ovation. Everybody, including the celebrities, was like where they were on their feet, totally clapping and screaming and cheering and stuff even after the Ghostbusters theme song faded away and he's just standing there at the mic, people were still screaming and shouting like uh -huh. they didn't know what to do. They couldn't get the audience to calm back down. And finally, uh, after several minutes, like, like he was, he started talking and then making jokes and stuff, that sort of thing. But I mean, that was just, you could tell how palpable the, the fan fever is when it comes to the original Ghostbusters. Well, yeah. So. Well, that, <clears throat> What's wrong with my voice? I have no idea. So, I mean, that's how far removed this the last Ghostbusters was. I mean, yeah. not, no one's given a standing ovation to that one. They want the original. But again, I'm just I, I I'm I'm doing I'm trying to I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to stay optimistic. Mm -hmm. 
I just, you know, I know that Dan Aykroyd is one of the owners of the Ghostbusters IP. He's the one who came up with Ghostbusters. And he was also the one who really pushed to have the, the, this, this uh, previous film made. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm presenting the facts is what all I'm doing. <laughs> so, but needless to say, are you, are you pumped? Are you excited? Oh yeah. I've oh, seen, yeah. I've seen that trailer like five times. Every time I watch it, I get chills and it just, it like my, it taps directly into like my inner 10 year old. <laughs> when I watch it, it just brings me right back to like, I don't know, it was 1984 or something when it came out. Mm, was it? I wasn't even 10 years old back then. I think I was like five. We were still watching the cartoon. Yeah, the real Ghostbusters. Anyway, though, let's go on to <laughs> making fun of my inhaling, I see. <laughs> These microphones are so good. So the next one I have queued up here is Spider-Man Far From Home. Let's take a look-see. That's how I feel right now. That was so good. Hey, sorry I'm late. Happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? <laughs> what just happened? Planning a trip? Mm-hmm. Going to Europe. School trip. Did you get your passport? Peter Parker here to pick up a passport, please. Mini toothpaste? Mm-hmm. Pack your suit. I just want to go on my trip with my friends. Europe doesn't really need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You look really pretty. And therefore, I have value. No, no, that's not I'm right. messing with you. <laughs> you look pretty, too. I just want to spend some time with MJ. I think she really likes me, too. That reminds me when I first fell in love. I had just finished my food call. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he going to be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome! You got gifts, Parker. But we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? You're all alone. Your friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? You don't want any part of this. like Iron Man and Thor rolled into one. He's no Spider-Man. What is it with you and Spider-Man? What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sup, dickwad? So what do you think of Spider-Man Far From Home? 
Well, looks like they are going to make Mysterio look very interesting. Yeah, I was really surprised when I was looking at the trailer. I was I was wondering who the villain was going to be. Mysterio is a villain, but um, I don't know his origin story. I don't know if he started out as like a neutral character or a, a protagonist and then got turned into an antagonist. He's one of the villains that I don't really have a lot of information He's on. He's just mysterious. I do like that they got Jake Gyllenhaal to play it, though. Yeah. I, think, I think he looks really good in he that, does that look outfit. Good. And I don't know who the other creature is, though. The one that looks like it's made out of water or sand or you know, it looks something. Like the, yeah, I know. I was like, is that... That can't be the Sandman. It's, it's not Sandman. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 Actually, yeah, we hardly even saw him in, in Avengers. Just not, I mean, all the way till the end. Yeah, well, and again, this is what's really cool about the partnership that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has with Sony, because Sony still has some sort of rights right. with Spider-Man. Yeah, but it's great to be able to see Nick Fury come into this world of Spider-Man, just like we're with with uh, Tony Stark in the previous Spider-Man film of Iron Man, that sort of thing. I am, yeah. I think I think it's going to be nice that they continue that, and I'm looking forward to like we talked about in the, in the past uh, episodes of Joygasm too. Just like how there's a very good chance that X Men will be also under the MCU umbrella. I guess Nick Fury is coming back from the dust. Also, hmm? Ross. Hmm? 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 Oh, <laughs> right, you are good, sir. That's very true. Yes, it is. Very observant of you. You know, I don't, I'm I that MJ the, the the how they scripted MJ though I don't know I'm gonna have to wait to see the movie but I don't know I just I can't grasp her the, the, the personality type for MJ I don't know I have to see the movie but see I don't even know if she's actually the the MJ from the comics or not Russ yeah they're just gonna go ahead and call someone random in the movie MJ. <laughs> <laughs> he was hawking a loogie there or something. I don't know. So the next movie we have here queued up is, oh, this is another good, hey, man, so many good movies are being teased right now. The next one is John Wick chapter three. Jonathan. Yes. What have you done? To dream the impossible dream. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. The right, the Tell me what you want. Passage. I can't help you. To reach the unreachable star. Do you expect him to make it out? A $14 million bounty on his head. Everyone in the city wants a piece of it. I say the odds are about even. Doc, five seconds. John Wick, excommunicado, in effect, in three, two, one. 
go. Nothing's ever just a conversation with you, John. Looks awesome. Yes, it does. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. So when you first showed me John Wick 1 and then John Wick 2 came out, I, I I had never really heard anyone talk about John Wick mm-hmm. until like the second one came out. Yeah. And then when the third one started getting teased, everyone's like talking about it. Like a lot of people are talking about John Wick 3. It, it Well, it's been an underground movement, really. When you think about the, the first movie that came out, not a lot of people knew about it. It kind of flew under the radar. Right. Like people had kind of heard, oh, Keanu Reeves is in it. And I don't really know what it's about, whatever. But then... I think it's been kind of more of a, a, a fan grassroots movement where like more and more people, you know, you have more people watching chapter two and then by the time chapter three is being teased, it's turning into a much larger event. But man, like they keep nailing it. Like, and I really hope that the chapter three is not the end of it. I hope they just keep going. Cause if you recall when we were reviewing chapter two, I was talking about how like this thing has so much potential to be able to expand farther and farther into this world of assassins and just what their code of conduct is. And I don't know, just all the different, um, you know, alliances and betrayals and whatnot. It's just, oh, there's so much potential. I didn't see any John Leguizamo, LeBron. I didn't see any. Well, he, he plays more of a minor character. I want to see him come out. You know, I, I, I miss me some John Leguizamo. I'm... <laughs> If if I had to guess, I think he's probably going to have some kind of cameo in here because it's the same. I believe it's the same crew, the same director. So um, I I just I, yeah I think I think it's gonna be great. Who's the uh, female? Halle Berry. That's Halle Berry. That's Halle Berry. Yeah, she's one of the newcomers to the world of John Wick. Hmm. Welcome, just, Barry. Man, I just love. Yeah, she, she's so pretty. Like it's crazy to look at her. Like she's like she, ageless is what she is. I love how like she can rock the short hair and look beautiful, and then she can rock the long hair and look just yeah. as beautiful. I mean, she, she's goodness. just a stunning woman. So the last one is Captain Marvel, which I am attempting to get queued up here. But um, while I do that, where did you have any other? Oh. Did you like um, all the different color and cinematography in the trailer of John Wick? Yeah, I did. I was blown away by like just how much like just awesome cinematography was in there. And it looks like he's throwing up his car keys to pick up some motorcycle keys. That's going to be interesting. And you love the uh, German Shepherds, I hope. Uh, I did. Yeah, I saw it. Well, he still had, he didn't have his German Shepherds. It wasn't his dogs. It was Halle Berry's. So Sophia is her name. Yeah. 
So uh, I'm glad to see that he's still. I, I thought his dog. I thought his dog got shot last last movie, but I guess I was wrong. His okay. So they he shot his original dog was shot in the first film, and then he got a second dog after that. That yeah, particular that was the pit bull, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, but that particular dog, uh, I think it survived in, in chapter two. Like his house got incinerated. Right. His car got destroyed. Yeah. Grunt is a good look for you. Did you have a rough day, Agent Fury? I'm going to need clarification on this space invasion. Scrolls are infiltrating your planet. They're shapeshifters. Okay. Prove you're not a scroll. That's a photon blast. And? A scroll cannot do that. I'm just supposed to take your word for that. We are Kree. Strong. United. You have to let go of the past. I don't remember my past. Control it. Have this power, but I don't know where it came from. I've never seen anything like her. You think you can find others? She's just the beginning. You've come a long way, but you're not as strong as you think. The shield logo. Does announcing your identity on clothing help with the covert part of your job? Said the space soldier who was wearing a rubber suit. Get tickets now. <clears throat> I don't know, Russ. The jury's out on that one. I um, the jury's out. I it just seems like she's not really, real just grasping the role yet. I don't know if that's just because I'm used to seeing all the other Avengers and quite a few movies own their role, and this is and she's brand new or not. Just seems like she she doesn't have it all there, you know. For me, actually, I thought this one was better than the second trailer because the first trailer that came out, I was like, whoa, okay, this is this is like good. I saw the second trailer and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. now I'm, I've lost some of it. I was it. like. Mm. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but looking at this third one, it's much snappier. There's just, there's, you know, the editing is a lot better. They're revealing a bit more of the story. Really, it, it reminds me a lot of a mashup between Green Lantern and Men in Black. That's, that's kind of what that is. Now, Green Lantern as a story yeah. is a good story. It's just that the movie that came out before was just not well executed. It's just it's unfortunate because Hal Jordan is actually a really cool character. The idea of uh, Green Lantern stuff is super cool. When I look at this particular film, though, I do think that it is going to be a good movie. I think that some of the the approaches to how they're marketing the film is a bit different. And I, th I almost wonder if because Marvel knows like this, this is like one of the most powerful protagonists in their arsenal of heroes that they're kind of almost psyching. I want to say psyching themselves out. I think that's too strong but it's something along those lines where it's like they know they have to make this somewhat different, somewhat aliens, that it has to be super powerful, but yet they want her to be relatable. And so 
the marketing of this, I, I don't think has as much of a dialed in like know-how of, of what they're going to do as opposed to like, if you watch the trailers of like, like Avengers infinity war, like they knew from beginning to end precisely what this was about, how they're going to like push it forward. There were, there was no kind of um, second guessing themselves or um, I don't even necessarily walking on eggshells. It's, it's just, I can tell there's some kind of like creative struggle with the marketing side of things. I think that the movie itself is probably going to be a great movie. I mean, this is Marvel we're talking about. Like I honestly, there are a couple of movies. If, if I had to like look at all the movies that have come out over the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean like, you know, Iron Man three probably was not very was. Yeah. In fact, I'll just say it was, it was not a very good movie. <laughs> so even they're not, they don't have like some sort of immaculate record, but the, the movies that are fun to go see that are really good outweigh the ones that were not very good at all. And that's just, you know, my take on it. Did you have any other thoughts on Captain Marvel? No, sir. Which, um, actually, come to think of it, out of the four trailers that we just watched, which one are you looking forward to the most? Well, Ross, uh, they're all pretty good. I, I, uh, <laughs> I would have to say the least one I'm looking forward to is Captain Marvel, if I'm being real. Okay. Um, but, it, but with you saying that, is it because it's super low on your must-see list, or is it just because all four movies are, like, really good? Both. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too, Steve. <laughs> I mean, I've been waiting for the Ghostbusters movie to come out for a long, long time, and it was a perfect teaser. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I yeah. mean, dude. So um, that one grabbed me by the ghoulies. And so, but then you had Spider-Man Far From Home, which well, that's been a movie we've been looking forward to for a long time. And yeah, I mean, I would say the one, I would say Ghostbusters. I was going to say it, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Followed by John Wick 3. Followed by Spider-Man, followed by Captain Marvel. I think I agree. Come to think of it, I think the, the, the one I was most jazzed about was Ghostbusters 3, just because I, I was not expecting to see that at all. But then John Wick is super high. I mean, just looking at the trailer, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to love that movie. I'm going to be ranting and raving about it in the most positive way Ever. Like, it's just, I think John Wick is probably going to go down as one of my favorite action series of movies, bar none. And if uh, we see it in the new Cinemark Theater, no sponsor, by the way. Just no. saying. Just saying. Just saying. I'm being paid for that. Um, it's going to be uh, epic. <laughs> and I don't use that word often, Russ. Oh, my. You hear that? No, I don't. Well, you should. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ah, gyrating over there. Folding chair. <laughs> so we have some other uh, stories I just wanted to share with you, Steve. Uh, Netflix is raising its prices. I'm aware. Again! Yeah. Reported by CNBC, Netflix's basic standard definition plan is going up from $8 to $9 a month. Its standard high-definition plan is going up from $11 to $13 a month, and its premium 4K plan is going up from $14 to $16 a month. Again, these are not like ginormous 
rate hikes, but it is, you know, I, I remember back in the day when it wasn't just like a standard $8 a month. You, you can get whatever it is you wanted, whether it was standard definition or a high definition, and now they're they're just trying to make those stockholders happy, I think. Well, it's going to a lot more content, too. They got to pay a lot, a lot more of the licensing stuff and whatever and whatnot. But, you know, you, you, you count two bucks and you multiply that by the millions of subscribers. It's quite a lot of money, Russ. Indeed it is. Two Mission Impossible sequels to film back-to-back. And also Christopher McQuarrie returns to direct. Colin Stevens reported via Variety, the reasoning for the combined schedule is to capitalize on the major critical and financial success of Mission Impossible Fallout. It was a great movie right there from last year, which was both the best reviewed and highest grossing film in the franchise to date. The first sequel is expected to premiere in summer of 2021, while the second will likely follow in summer of 2022. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. They coming out back to back or front to front? Side to side. That's interesting. That's thinking outside the box right there. (laughs) Paramount Pictures allegedly wants to avoid cannibalizing sales for its upcoming Tom Cruise-led Top Gun Maverick, which is set to hit theaters on June 26, 2020. Soon after the story broke, Cruz also sent out a tweet confirming the summer 2021 and summer 2022 release windows. So it is official, and I, for one, cannot wait because that is also... You know what? I realize I just talked about how much I love John Wick 3 as an action series. Uh-huh. This new take on Mission Impossible is also one of my favorite series, and especially... Oh, man. All of them are really good. Fallout, though. God, that was just... That was, that was a thing of beauty right there. Finally, 10 Cloverfield Lane director to helm the Uncharted movie. And uh, actually, you have not played that game yet, Steve, for the PS4. No, I haven't. Yeah, well, you need to get on it there, son. <laughs> Gotta get up on it. Variety reports Sony has hired 10 Cloverfield Lane's Dan. Show me what to say. See if I can say it right. Trackenberg. Trackenberg. That's, I think I'm close. As the new director for the Uncharted movie, previous director Sean Levy stepped away from the video game adaption last <laughs> month due to scheduling conflicts with the movie Free Guy being greenlit at uh, 20th Century Fox. I'm out of here! Tom Holland! <laughs> the old Spider-Man fame is still attached to star as Nathan Drake in the adaptation, and filming is expected to begin by the end of 2019. What are your thoughts? Okay, actually, you know what? You haven't even played the game. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on it. Okay. So I think Tom Holland's a great actor. I'm not exactly sure if he's the perfect fit for Nathan Drake. We're just going to have to see how that whole thing plays out. Trumpets blaring is um, just indescribable. 
as well it should be. Our topic of the day, once again, is our review of The Glass movie. We're going to start out with high level. <laughs> Ooh, that looks nice. We're going to start out with high level thoughts, and then we're going to take the spoiler elevator down to the spoiler territory where we'll drill down and have fun talking about all kinds of fun little juicy details. Steve! Okay, I guess I'm going first, huh? Yeah, what'd you think yeah, of the movie? Yeah, well, Russ, you know, it, well, was, Russ. Uh, it was, um, you know, I felt it was more of a sequel to Split than Unbreakable. It was, it was more Split than Unbreakable, let me put it that way. So for me, it, it was, it was kind of lacking the feeling that I had when I watched Unbreakable. I liked Unbreakable. That was my favorite of the three. But when I watched this one, it didn't seem like, it seemed like they kind of forgot about that movie and they just really focused on following up the split. Hmm. So for me, there was some little missing there, Russ. I see. Well, I enjoyed the film. All the characters had um, great chemistry with each other. I, I thought it was great to be able to see Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson back together again and now with James McAvoy in there as well. I thought that all the, the, the actors did just a really nice job. I loved how unpredictable the ending was. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into more yeah, of that later we'll on. We'll get more of that later on. But I did, I did appreciate that. Okay. Um, Thanks for appreciating, I, Russ. I did. You, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's important not to hate, but to appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I, th I did think, I agree. I think that it was the weakest of the three films. Um, not, that's not to say that the film was bad or anything, but looking at Unbreakable and Split, you know, I loved Unbreakable when it came out back in 2000, which is crazy to think about. That was 19 years ago. But when I, when I watched Split last night, I obviously I was coming off of a high from that film and I was like, okay, let, let's go right in. And, I, and it, it served really well because of course, Split focuses on the McAvoy uh, character, which is... I don't even know like really what to call the character. Like it's the horde or it's Kevin or it's the beast. I don't know, but maybe I'll just call him Kevin just to like, well, I'll just call him the horde. They refer to him as the horde more than they did Kevin. Okay. Well, we'll I'll just call him the horde. So definitely really enjoyed split was coming into this film. I was like, okay, let, let's see what happens. And, and I, I think that, it's bittersweet for me knowing that this was like the final film in the series because M Knight has, has gone on record saying, yeah, this is it. He's not going to be doing any other sequels to the, the overall story, but I am thankful that he did churn out like a nice official trilogy with this, this idea of his that he had. And it was just a treat to be able to see these, these characters on screen. And especially, I mean, I mean, Bruce Willis is so old now. I don't even know how old the man is. But it was it's so cool to be able to like see him don that that green raincoat poncho thing of his again. I mean, it just brought me right back to when we were watching Unbreakable. Did you have any other thoughts about that, Steve? No, I I, I don't know. I, I yeah, I think the acting was was definitely the saving grace. I think they they kind of gave Bruce Willis a back burner role in this one. He didn't seem like he was front and center. It seemed like it was more Sam Jackson and and uh, James uh, McAvoy, which makes sense because I mean the movie's called Glass. True. Um, however, 
you have your villains and you have your super or your your well your protagonists and your antagonists. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And which is absolutely fine, but in the trilogy, every I would think every character would have kind of equal script time, screen time, whatever, whatnot. And I think Bruce Willis maybe had a paragraph of lines in the whole entire movie, and that was about it. Like he didn't really didn't talk all that much. He was he, he was more observant. Yeah, which maybe that's something that was lacking too with it, um, because again, with Unbreakable, you you saw a lot of Bruce Willis and a lot of uh, Mr. Glass and in Split it was none of the two it was just the Horde mm-hmm. and this one it was mostly the Horde and Glass but hardly Bruce Willis so I thought well I'm okay yeah the villain's important but what about uh, what about the protagonist well you know he's does, what how, what kind of percentage of, of importance does he have or not have and mm-hmm. I felt I, that he should have had more I think probably part of that also has to do with the horde obviously has a lot of care, a lot of personalities in there. There was twenty four of them, and so you have to make time for someone who's clearly going to be much more chatty, trying to, to convey just how these different personalities are perceiving the world around them and the events that are unfolding in front of them. And I think it just it, it acts as a nice balance. Just watching how um, I think is I think Bruce Willis's character was like David Dunn. I think that's yeah. what his, his name was. Right. So it was just nice that he was more, he took more of a backseat when it came to more of the speaking roles because he just emoted more of his emotions as he reacted to what was going on. And of course, Samuel Jackson, it was cool to like how he, for like the first half of the movie, he didn't really say or do anything because he was like acting as if he was catatonic, which of course I knew he was faking it. Like there, I knew there's right. there some way he was skirting, taking his meds or something like that. Um, now, don't get any spoilers, Russ. You know what, Steve? Why don't we go ahead and step into the spoiler elevator here? <clears throat> it looks like the whole thing's made of glass. You know, Bruce Willis is 63 years old, Russ. 63? Yes. I'm looking around here, Steve, and I'm hoping that the beast is not somehow crawling on the walls or the ceiling. He's sitting right in front of you. Is it the beast or is it Patricia? Well, it's a mix of the beast and the nine-year-old. Or is it Dennis? Definitely not Dennis. Not Dennis? If it's the nine-year-old, maybe he'll start dancing to the elevator music. And talking about Drake. You know, for some reason, this elevator door is not opening. Gonna try and... Getting open here. Believe in yourself. I'm believing myself. I'm, I'm totally going to be unbreakable here. Force to stick over it. <sighs> well, we're kind of in between floors here. Going to have to uh, hoist ourselves up here. Okay. We're here. Mm. Oh, it looks pink. <laughs> Just like the psych ward. That's because we're at the flamingo. <laughs> 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 okay, so just in case you guys were not aware, we are now going to go into the spoiler version of our review of Glass. So, um, let's go into cast and crew. Hmm. So we were talking a little bit um, earlier about how Bruce Willis, as David Dunn, um, I, for one, really liked seeing him back in this film. You didn't really 
see him um, in split except for the very end where like he makes his cameo and all of a sudden it just ties the whole thing into the world of unbreakables. It's like, okay, great. Um, Bruce Willis has always had uh, just, just a a great screen presence. doesn't matter what he's playing. And I don't know, like I, for one really enjoyed seeing him as a much older man in this film. For some reason that just brought a certain quality to it. What'd you think? Yeah, Bruce Willis acted a little bit different than he usually does. I mean, if you see the movie Red or you see... Uh, well, <laughs> Red was another fun movie. Yeah, that was fun. But, you know, he, he has that that same presence in, in pretty much every movie that he, that he does. And this one was more... I, well, let me say, when he's acting the part of David Dunn... David Dunn? I think that's his, that's his character name. Just call him Dunn. Dunn, sure. <laughs> Dunn Security. Yeah, yeah Dunn Security. I. Uh, he's not as like a tough guy. Mm. You know, some of the tough guy is more reserved. He is more dad. He's more family guy. He's not, you know, Mr. Secret agent man or FBI dude, CIA, whatever, whatnot. So I think that's actually good for him because he's pretty typecast in that kind of role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I just wish he had more lines, but you know, he, he, he played the part. He's not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be a Marvel movie. And he's not supposed to be Iron Man. Yeah. You know, he's supposed to be reserved, and he did. So, yeah, that the acting in, for everybody as for, with the cast is, uh, I think, the, the movie Saving Grace, just like it was with, with Split. Samuel L. Jackson as Mr. Glass. Great eye twitches. Great <laughs> eye twitches. And great mouth twitches. Yeah. Must have got it from Invader Zim. I tell you, I, man, like when he <laughs> fell out of his rocking chair, oh, like because I knew he had that condition. I mean, just, oh my gosh, it looked like it hurt so bad with those bones breaking. But no, I mean, I, I, I once again, it's just a treat to see Samuel L. Jackson back in that role. And I think what, what's cool too is I think Mr. Glass, isn't that like his first Suedo comic book character role that he's ever had in his career? Probably. Yeah. Because, I mean, aside from Mr. Glass, I think Nick Fury is the the other comic book character that he has played. I don't know if he's... I can't remember if he's played any other comic book-oriented characters. But I thought he fit that character so well in Unbreakable, and it's great to see him back here again. Um, and, of course, James McAvee, I thought, was, was just a, a refreshing take on this thing as well, where we're just having the split personalities. I mean, he really, you could tell he he's putting a lot of effort into um, how the, his, his character is. One, one of the things I thought was um, an interesting observation between split and glass was in split. He was, um, I thought way more terrifying and ferocious in um, that film, as opposed to in this film, he seemed to be more contained. Did you get that feeling? James McAvoy. McAvoy. What did I say? McAvee. Oh, I'm sorry. McAvee. McAvoo. McAvoy. <laughs> but did you get that feeling like when you were watching this particular film that he didn't seem to be as, I don't know if unhinged is the right word, but just in split there, like there was just this constant threat. There was this, even when he wasn't the beast, when he was, one of his many other personalities, just like when he was visiting the, the, the old lady psychiatrist at her office and stuff, there was just something off-putting about him that constantly made me uneasy or put, it was just well, a kind of an intense situation. That's because you didn't know what to expect. 
Yeah. And this movie, you knew what to expect, so it didn't seem as uh, jarring. I do think, though, that with with them being, well, not necessarily them, but just specifically with James McAvoy's character, with, with the Horde being in a psych ward, somehow that diminished his level of threat to me. And I think it was just, he plays more of a classical insanity type of archetype. And I think that is, I don't don't know. I found myself just thinking about like a psych ward itself has a certain power to it that saps one's individual freedoms and power away. I mean, it's, it's a very like almost like a stair step process where like when you first come into the building, you still have some of your residual sense of, of self and, and having your own independence and power and stuff. But the longer you're in that institution, it's like you become crippled by just their rules and how they do things. And even like the forced interviews where they're asking you questions all that stuff going on, it it really does begin to reduce who you are. And I think that that it was cool to watch as they were messing with that or, or, or kind of exploring that and how they were able to overcome it. And especially once they were to get back out of that building, then suddenly they were just reinvigorated with a sense of self, who they were again. And especially when they put their, outfits back on too. It's like, man, like you could just really feel that resurging. So uh, I thought that was pretty fun. Now, Sarah Paulson, who she played the psych doctor. um, I didn't think that this was a a big stretch for her. I think that, that she tends to gravitate towards a lot of this, obviously with American horror story, the the TV series, she's played similar roles and and, she does a fine job with it, but it's, it was just kind of like, okay, I, I... Yeah, nothing new. Yeah, nothing new. Spencer Treat Clark, uh, he played David Dunn slash Bruce Willis's son. Um, I thought it was great to see him come back in this movie because he's the same actor as when he was a little boy 19 years ago in Unbreakable. I thought that was super fun. I thought he made a nice addition to the secondary cast supporting cast. What'd you think? Yeah, no, that was, that was definitely cool. And you know, I, I hadn't seen Un- unbreakable for quite a long time. And when I saw that, when I, when he came on screen, I thought, did they get the same actor? They got the same actor. Did they get the same actor? Yeah. And I'm going back and forth with it. And then in you know, towards the end, they show him as a little kid and all the way up. I thought that's cool. It shows a lot of that time has transpired. You know, Bruce Willis has gotten older or David Dunn, excuse me. <laughs> Bruce Willis doesn't exist. Bruce Willis doesn't get old. <laughs> yeah. He's timeless. But it just, it's one more thing. They could have got a different actor to play it, but I, it's just cool that uh, time transpired. People grow up, people get older. And you see that with, you know, his family members. Yeah. What happened to Bruce Willis's wife, by the way? I think she died of like leukemia, not leukemia. Trying to think back, I think she had some sort of terminal illness. Yeah. So Charlene Woodard, who played Mr. Glass's mom, um, did you know that she actually just the actress herself? She, I think, is younger than Samuel Jackson, <laughs> and yet in this movie she plays his mom. Wow. <laughs> so, which you know, it's funny because I was looking at her profile on IMDb, and she's way younger than obviously right how she looks there, but. 
I thought it was worth mentioning just because in the film, I kept looking at her. I'm thinking something's off about her face. I can't place my finger on it, but there's something <laughs> yeah. off. She looks so well put together for her age. Well, it's just weird. Like looking at her face. I'm like, what is the deal? Well, now I get it. Like it's just the, the makeup prosthetics uh, were not the best. Well, so. plus, I mean, Sam Jackson has gray hair and the movie, you know, yeah. b- black and gray hair. And she had black and gray hair. So they almost looked like the, the age variance was pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. Also, Anya Taylor-Joy, who played Casey Cook, who was the Horde's friend. She was the girl who was also in Split, who um, the Horde let live because um, they realized that she was also hurt and uh, that sort of thing. This was one of the, one of the more interesting situations in Glass. I really liked the the progression of their relationship. You know, in Split, it was like she was trying to survive and fight for her life and that sort of thing. And this one, it was like they had an understanding. And I thought that was really neat just to like when she would come to visit him and how she could get certain personalities to come pretty much at her request and be able to to talk to him, even with the Beast as well. Like, I don't know, like I thought that was always a captivating moment to be able to like, just anytime the two of them were interacting with each other, I thought that was super cool. What did you think, Steve? Yeah. Although I thought that I think the movie expected us just to accept whatever I could. When I, when I saw split, I, I saw that there was a connection that they wanted me to see, but I didn't think it was nearly as strong and, and, until I watched this movie and they had a bond, they had a bond, but we just kind of had to accept that the bond was there. It, I'm, it was not nearly as strong in the last movie. The bond was not as strong in the yeah. last movie. Yeah. Oh, you mean split? Yeah. Well, yeah, because at that point she was trying to figure out how to escape and you know, well, survive yeah. and stuff. And the, like, yeah, there was no bond, but it's, it, it's, kind of a far fetched to go, okay, you know, this, this girl's in high school and she was abducted and, uh, you know, kidnapped and made to strip off some of her clothes. And, and now this random psychiatrist says, come help me out. And, and, <laughs> you know, and she's just, okay, yeah, sure. Y'all you know, we have this special connection with this, you know, patient. I think she wanted to see how he was doing and also find out why he was in the psych ward because, she was, she wasn't just like forthcoming with like, yeah, okay, I'll help you out. Like, like she, when, when, um, the, the doctor was, was asking, cause she could see that there was some kind of history that they had. I mean, she was reluctant to do it, but I think she was glad that she did because she just, you know, she cared for him. She, she was wondering how he was holding up and that sort of thing. And I think that was, like, I, I loved how when she first walked in to see him, he was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's like, yeah, I can't believe you're here. And I, I loved how they spent time with that relationship where, like, he also realized, wow, like, I'm surprised you want to see me at all. Right. And th- he respected her more and liked her even more because it's like, wow. But it wasn't like a, a romantic thing. It was the fact that the, that both characters had a past where they were abused. And that was the commonality that they shared with each other because in Split, she was abused and, and uh, 
sexually assaulted by her uncle, if you recall, which was totally creepy. I mean, just all that stuff was just so wrong. Um, but yeah, that was, that actually was really cool. Also too, I mean, I guess we, we can, we can segue into uh, the plot cause we're kind of talking about it already, but I really thought it was interesting to see how Dunn interacted with the horde. You know, anytime that they were on on um, on screen together, like like when he was rescuing the cheerleaders, for instance, and then they were fighting. I mean, especially after coming off so fresh from watching Split, where he, I mean, he was just he's a very strong person. He's very unpredictable. There's a lot going on, and that's that's just there. It's crazy to where he has met his match in terms of physicality with Dunn because Dunn is unbreakable. That's like his whole thing. So I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool to like see them fight each other, see them talk to each other and just, I don't know, like, like there's, I always appreciate it when there is time spent on the two characters getting to know each other. It was the same thing, even with, with glass and the horde as well. Like when they had their, their moments of dialogue, when they weren't like running off somewhere or, uh, causing mayhem, that sort of thing. But they, but they didn't really get to know each other. It, it was more of an acquaintance, sure. I mean, they were fighting a bunch, and then throughout the movie, they were the the horde was wanting just to beat up the you know done, and so they really didn't have any time to communicate. They were in the room together while they were doing their psychiatric meetings and whatnot, but they wasn't like they were ever talking to get to know each other. No, I, I'm. I maybe I, I didn't explain it as clearly. I think obviously they they did. It's not like they knew each other really well. But I I always like those types of setups where you have these people who are getting to know each other. They don't necessarily like each other. They don't necessarily not like each other. But they're sizing each other up, and it was doing a number on the horde. If you recall, I mean the like the. Kevin was really having uh well, it really wasn't even Kevin. It was like the beast and Patricia. Like they, they were really having self doubt because they had um, up until this point figured that the beast personality would be their savior, so to speak, and be able to release them and let them do what they want to do and that sort of thing. And then when they came in contact with Dunn, they suddenly realized we can't hurt this guy. We can't do anything. Like everything we do is thwarted and arguably he may be even stronger than, than, than they are. And so I, I like seeing that turmoil, that inner conflict that um, uh, the horde had where like all of a sudden they were, they were not uh, as cocky as they once were, you know, they were not as self-confident and be like, Oh yeah, I can handle this or whatever. And it really took a lot of a pep talk from glass to be able to manipulate that situation. It was interesting too, like in the movie, the movie itself, would you say was two hours? It was about two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I did think that, that there were certain parts that, that were a little slow. Definitely. Um, but was, you know, when, when you think about the different environments that the movie took place in, I mean, most of it took place really at the psych ward. They didn't really go to a lot of other places except, you know, before they were at the psych ward and they were like on a few streets and that sort of thing. But there, there were really were not a lot of different set pieces. Yeah, I thought the timing that the film took was 
uh, just off. It was just random. Um, there were some scenes that took way too long and I felt myself getting the nods like, okay, we need to move this along a little bit. And then there were times where it was moving fast and it was great. Um, you know, M night Shalomon is not the, the guy for or the direct for this series to, to throw a lot of action at you, which is absolutely fine. There's no problem with that. But being that this is the third installment and final installment, um, I would expect a little bit less with the character development and talking a little bit more to see, okay, we've been, we've been with you for the last time. What is it? How long has it been? Like 15 years, 20 years, 19 years for, for what? Since unbreakable 19. Yeah. So people have been expecting this for 19 years. And I, I think maybe there should have been a little bit more of a show than, you know, dialogue. You know, I go back and forth with this too, where, one of the film's strengths is its ability to understate situations or the abilities of the characters. And I think as a result, it really does make it more believable. There's like, like kind of a, an accessible realness to it. And, you know, if I were to compare this movie to say a, a Marvel movie, the Marvel movies are just so, out there in terms of just, yeah, these are our superpowers. We are just in your face about it. This takes more of a, a, you know, that they flirt with the, the, the idea or the question of, can you have people that have superhuman powers or is it just kind of a, a delusion of grandeur? And I think that, that the movie does a great job of like getting you to think, well, yeah, maybe it's just, that's just in their own mind. But then when push comes to shove, it's like, whoa, no, these people actually do have these amazing abilities. And yeah, like when, when I, when I just think of the, of just the progression of the, the movie, I would have liked to have seen more sequences, more scenes, like just, just, I don't know. I think, I think that was kind of the problem. It's like, like both unbreakable and split had this constant forward momentum that was going. And I don't think that there was really, a forward momentum necessarily with this. I mean, like the ending, of course, definitely things started to, to speed up and that sort of thing. But I, yeah, it's difficult to describe. But I definitely felt like this should have been some sort of crescendo uh, movie, at least towards the end. I, I don't know if I really necessarily agree with the way the events played out, mostly towards the end. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, really expect a clash of the Titans per se, but I wanted something more memorable, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, and the way they just kind of killed off everybody and said, yep, that's it. So I don't know. To me, I just, I don't know. It, 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 I don't know if it left too many knots tied or just left it open as if they wanted to end it because they didn't have, a, they couldn't vote on a good way to end it. But to me, it just kind of felt a bit unsatisfying. Like, okay, yeah, so we just streamed this out and everybody knows that, you know, there's people that have some bigger abilities than, than we might think that are, um, that, you know, exist in the, in the world. And so everyone's like crazy YouTubing it, streaming it, whatever, and Facebooking it, you know, that, that was kind of a thing. But the characters that we've come this far with are now all dead. And so we have to start over if there's going to be a start over and there's not. So, 
Yeah, I don't I like, know. Yeah. Mm, okay, and then again with the Bruce with with, with Dunn, um, he he just was kind of a back burner character, and so like again we waited this long show us something else. Maybe he came back at the end, you know, and he truly was unbreakable and, and, uh, he could, uh, somehow, I don't know, held his breath for a long time and not be drowned or something. I don't know. Came back from that. That would have been somewhat cool too. Yeah. I was pretty surprised that they decided to kill all three of the characters. I'm not sure if that was the best course of action to take. So it's like they had this building and building and building. They're giving this this development and development and develop. They're, they're constructing something, and at the end, they just off everybody. And, and we, like, what what were you trying to construct in the first place? Like, well, I'm conflicted because I do like what they did with the glass character, where like you know he in classic villain mastermind fashion, he actually had this this plan all along because he was anticipating things. You know, it spoke to his intellect. It spoke to his intelligence. And so I really thought that was cool. I just don't know if having them get killed off is something that I would have done if I was in the director's chair. I'm not sure. It seems like they kind of took some some liberties too. I mean, were they they when when Glass was getting out of his cell and he goes, "Oh, I was just timing it with the backfire," and I just pay attention to how this guy talks and. I would have liked to see more of that. It just so happened that ironically and coincidentally um, that that prison ward began speaking with one of the the, the security officers. And well, like, that, oh, yeah, that's because he talks a lot. And like, no, you just showed us that that one scene. He wasn't talking to anybody else. Well, but that what that particular scene was talking about was like how Mr. Glass was very methodical. He over the, the well, yeah, course of that. being in the ward, like he was watching like their behavior yeah. patterns and that sort of thing. That, that's what that was. I get that. I, I totally understand that, but they, they just threw this through that at us. Like, okay, this is what's been happening. And so this is how it is. They didn't, they didn't feed it to us bit by bit. They just said, okay, yeah, this guy talks a lot and he's been watching and he knows everything. And so therefore it is what it is. So the cinematography and special effects, I do once again, Everything was very understated, but I really like that. I like how they didn't go crazy with it. And, and I think that that's kind of a trademark of M. Night's previous films as well. If you think of all the different types of scenes that actually have visual effects to them, it's not in your face. And <laughs> I think it's cool. I think I think I like how he really does make a conscious effort to have his films not rely on special effects, but instead he'll put just a sprinkling in and it helps to just enhance things. Yeah, I, I I can agree with you there. I thought maybe a little bit too much in your <laughs> actually in your face stuff. It seemed like they had like the body attachment GoPro thing on a little bit too many scenes. Like okay, back up, back up, back up. Sorry, but yeah, he has a lot of stylish, you know, little little cues here and there of okay, this is how we're gonna film it in this angle. We're gonna look through the reflection. If you're not looking the reflection, and and mm-hmm. even though it's blurred, you're gonna miss the, the whatever you're trying to show you. Or, you know, they filmed it in the rearview mirror with what's happening behind, right. that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. What did you think of the the crazy pink room of the psych ward? Yeah, that was a little much. Uh, I <laughs> A little bit unbelievable, unbelievable but yeah, whatever. I, mean, I was thinking about how perhaps they used the pink color to underscore kind of the 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 place of power that the the doctor had you know while she's talking because pink obviously is more of a, a female color 
and how like the how those characters, those three guys, are you rubbing your legs? What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I'm I'm cold in here. You keep it cold. <laughs> I'm trying to stay warm. You're distracting so me. So I'm not shivering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sitting here trying to focus on my thought, and Steve's just like, I'm rubbing my arms. <laughs> I'm rubbing them on my legs. I'm trying to up stay warm. Down. Up this, and down. This or, yeah, you know what? I'm 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 Mr. Glass and I'm moving my wheelchair around. I'm moving the <laughs> wheels. Do now that, that now that you say that, it actually does look like you're like wheeling around in place with, in a wheelchair. Do that or I'm throwing my jacket on you have to do a bunch of editing. One of the two, Russ, pick one. We'll just keep on moving forward. So, <laughs> what was I saying before I totally got distracted? Well, I don't know, Russ. Well, isn't that nice? Oh, the pink room. Oh, pink room. Yeah, pink. So, yeah, the, the three patients were all surrounded by this pink color. And if you think about it, like, you know, Dunn, Dunn's color is more green. Mr. Glass is more purple. Um, the Horde, I would say, what, yellow? Yellow, yeah. More of a sunset <clears throat> yellow than anything else. Oh, oh that's good. What do you think of the soundtrack? Uh, I, <laughs> in the beginning, uh, I, in the beginning, it was fine. Towards the, the end, credit soundtrack was terrible. I mean, like, get me out of the theater. I just repeated and repeated and repeated. I'm yeah. like, oh, you approve of that? <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't bad. I, I think they had the same. <coughs> I think it was the same guy who has been making the soundtracks for the other two movies. I don't think it was anybody different. Uh, no, it was someone different because James Newton Howard was the first composer. Did he make the first one? Unbreakable, yeah. And then, um, oh, I can't remember the other guy. There was uh, this other guy who did the soundtrack to Split, and he, and he too did the uh, the soundtrack for Glass. Ah, well, I have two-thirds right. <laughs> you know, you, you were one-third right, Steve. So, let's see here. Uh, oh, I happen to have some movie trivia courtesy of IMDb. Would you like to hear about it, Steve? Do you have a choice? No. Well, okay then. While promoting this movie at the 2018 Comic-Con, writer and director M. Knight noted that the film was a, quote, once-in-a-lifetime movie in that Disney's arm, Buena Vista International, which owns the rights to Unbreakable and Split, Studio Universal Pictures agreed Oh, wow. I mean, okay. So basically Disney owned Unbreakable, but then Universal Pictures owned Split. The The two mega companies agreed to team up for the film. As he continued, I don't think this will ever happen again where two studios had two IPs they completely owned. And I said, can we make a sequel to both? And you guys share it? And they said, yes. Is there money to be made? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think we're turning over a new leaf with these these movie studios because, I mean, that's the same thing with Sony and the MCU, which, of course, that's part of Disney as well. But, I, you know, I, good for them. I say good for them. Maturity. The hospital where the movie was filmed was an actual former mental hospital located in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hmm. Creator M. Night talks about the importance of colors. Here we go. In this movie. Uh, he quote, I chose green for David Dunn because psychologically it is associated with life giving properties. David is the protector of life. I chose, Oh, I don't know what this is. Okra or mustard for the beast because this color is associated with religious ceremonies. 
Hindu and uh, okay. Buddhist. Yeah, I can see that with Hindu and, and Buddhist B- Buddhism. You know, the, yet they use yellow quite a bit. I don't know why that would be for a dude with twenty four personalities. Let's see. It says a monk's robe. Uh, he says, "I see the beast as an evangelist, a preacher who wants to help save the broken." So it's like a twisted thing of sorts. But yeah, I, I can see that. Sure. And finally, I chose purple for Mr. Glass because this color has been associated with royalty, majestic qualities. Elijah sees himself as important, a main character of comics. Pretty interesting. I always like hearing about those types of things. This marks the fifth time Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson have appeared in a movie together, the others being Loaded Weapon 1, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Unbreakable. Die Hard with a Vengeance. They were both in that one? I guess so. Mm. Let's see here. Oh, creator M. Knight has that uh, quote, as the characters believe in the comic book world, the primary colors in the film become more dominant. As they stop believing, they fade to a monochromatic world. The pink room where they do therapy is pink, red fading to white because this is where they stop believing. Interesting. That's what you call creative right there. A lot of well-thought-out things yeah. with the color. So, as long as everybody picks up on it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I talked about it earlier. Oh, okay. It. M. Knight has said that the original cut of the film had a runtime of nearly three and a half hours. Mm. He trimmed it up a bit by cutting three of Kevin Crumb's 23 personalities out of the film. Well, actually, technically, that should be 24. 24 personalities. For the opportunity to work with M. Knight, Sarah Paulson accepted her part without reading the script, even though her role was originally written for a man. <laughs> a man. <laughs> a man, man. Towards the end of the movie, it is revealed that Elijah, who was played by Samuel L. Jackson, was also responsible for the death of Kevin's father. This let Kevin stay with his abusive mother, which forges the multiple personalities. In the movie Unbreakable, in one scene, David, played by uh, Bruce Willis, bumps a woman holding a boy's hand at the stadium. This bump triggers a reaction in David, helping him hear the scream of the boy, who could possibly have been Kevin, who was being abused. I think I remember that scene and thinking to myself, they did, they touched on it on something, but then I think he got distracted because I think uh, Dunn looked like, oh my goodness, what's going on over there? Yeah. But he had uh, he was there at the stadium for a reason, and he had to stay there and fo- focus on the mission. There you go. I like all those little subtle connection points. Too bad it took nineteen years to figure it out, but yeah, indeed. So, um, in conclusion, even though. Um, this movie is the weakest of the three, in my opinion. It does fit nicely if you look at them as like one continuous story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked how, like I said, how understated the superpowers are of each character. It, um, it made it somehow even more visually impressive watching them do what they do. I do wish that there were more intense situations overall, just because if I were to compare them to Unbreakable and Split, I mean, you had loads of different types of scenarios that were just super intense. I was just like really on the edge of my seat watching that. And so that that is a criticism I have of this film. 
And uh, overall, I would give Glass three stars. Well, I'll meet your three stars and lower it by a half. Russ, I, I would do a two and a half. I, I just, with the pacing of the movie and it just not really meeting my expectations as far as action and... You know, one thing I, I didn't get a chance to mention was with this psychiatric ward, I was hoping I would see more uh, patients do whatever they yes. would do. There was like three people there. And I like, totally agree. This building is huge. There's got to be something <laughs> happening on some other floors of this place. Like, right. come on, give us a little bit of something. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I mean, I, I loved all of the, the actors and uh, actresses. I think I mean, the acting literally saved this movie. And uh, But it just needs more than the acting for me. I need to, I need to follow through complete with this story. I think that the movie was a little bit too late in, in release. I think if they didn't wait 19 years and they started, you know, following up every like, you know, three or four years or something. So we saw the progression of these mm -hmm. characters a little bit more Maybe had more than three movies. Perhaps I think I, it would have been um, better received, but because we waited for so long for this and then it didn't meet my expectations. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's not a terrible movie. It's just that I can't really, I don't know who I'd really recommend it to. Yeah. Um, I loved the first one. The second one, I was, I could take it or leave it. This one, I think I was going to leave it at the door. Well, there you have it. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio. Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash JoygasmTV. Last but not least, search JoygasmTV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Take care, guys. See ya.